I want you to go in your Bibles to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 18. It's a familiar passage of scripture out of the book of Isaiah. And we're starting a brand new series called Wake Up. Wake Up. I, I think it's really important to be awake to the things that God's doing. I think it's very easily easy, on the other hand, to be asleep to what God is doing. To, to, to literally be lulled to a place of comfort and complacency where we don't even understand that God's moving. But I want you to know this, God, God's moving. God is doing a new thing. God is doing something fresh on the earth and he's looking for people to partner with. Isaiah 43, verse 18, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. For some of you, that's like your prophetic word already. It's like, okay, I got it. I can go home. I can go eat lunch, watch the Cowboys win. Do not dwell in the name of Jesus. Do, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. This is God speaking. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Somebody say now. Now, I like that. I like that. I don't like waiting. I don't like long, like trying to be patient. I like right now. Right now, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So the question really for us is not if God is doing something. The question for me and for you is can we see the thing that God is already doing? So as you, as you walk through life, you start to ask the question, is God doing something? Is God moving in my life? But the question is not if he is. The question is, can I see? Can I spiritually discern that God is doing a new thing? That he is moving on my behalf? I, I don't know if anybody watches the Major League Baseball anymore. Um, but if you, if you do, the Seattle Mariners just clinched a playoff spot. Uh, this is a big deal. I'm from Seattle. It's a big deal because they haven't been in the playoffs for over 20 years. 2001 was the last playoff appearance. I remember it's been a long 21 years since. In fact, I got I to gotta admit this. I'm a little bit of a Fairweather fan because after losing so many years, it's just like, I don't know. You know, maybe there's other things to do than watch three and a half hours of Major League Baseball where the score is like four to one. Uh, I just like, I just, I started giving up on it because what I've seen in the past now dictates my hope for the future. I was actually reading an article about the Mariners this morning and um, one, of, one, of the, one of the news uh, reporters, he said, Mariners fans are so excited about finally making the playoffs after 20 years, but that excitement is met with hesitation at the, the, the prospect of an early exit. They, they, haven't, they haven't even got in and they're already anticipating them getting kicked out. I mean, this is just, this welcome to Seattle Mariner baseball. The, the past has now dictated the amount of faith that we have in the future. Can, can I propose this to you that, that for many of us as we walk through life, that, that what's happened yesterday day or in 2020 or in the past of our lives, it now dictates how much faith we have in the future. We want to believe God's going to do something great. We want to believe for city transformation. We want to believe that God can heal our bodies. We want to believe that God can restore our marriage. We want to, but the, but the past is informing my faith for tomorrow. So this is why the writer says, make sure that you forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past, 
Paul said this, he says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. If you are not careful, what has happened in the past will rob you of the thing that God wants to do in the future. What do you do when yesterday's pain is draining today's faith? What do you do when yesterday's pain drains or pulls from today's faith? The past is a great place to learn from, but a terrible place to live in. And what I want to declare to you today is that God's doing something new. There's a fresh thing that God's doing, a fresh thing that God's stirring. And then and, and the past is great. It can inform us but it can't be the place that we live from. We have got to live in the joyful anticipation of what God is about to do next. And God's always doing something next. God's always working, even when you can't see it, even when you can't sense it, even when you can't see the evidence of it, God is always moving. In verse 19, it says, see, I'm doing, I'm doing a new thing. That, that Hebrew word for doing actually is a verb. It means it's, it's already being done. See, some of us are like, God, do something. Do something. He's like, I'm doing something. I, I am, I'm doing. You're asking me to do. I'm already doing. It, it, it's not about him moving. It's about me understanding that he is moving. Then what he is doing, I want to do. Where he is going, I want to go. I want to be a part of the thing that God is doing. It says, I am doing a, a new thing. Staying stuck in the past can keep us from the new thing that God wants to do. So let me just ask you this question as we get started. Can you break up with the old thing so that you can embrace the new thing? Well, what's the old thing? You know, like, we hit this all the time in church. It's people like how church used to be done. Well, pastor, back when I was growing up, we used to sing, sing different songs. Well, that's good. We sing different songs now than we did then. You can still worship because worship is not about the song you sing. Worship is about the attitude of your heart. Well, back when I went to church, when I was growing up, we had Sunday school. Well, we might have something different. We still believe in discipleship. We still believe in the word. We still believe in educating the next generation. So can you let go of yesterday so that you can catch what God is doing today? Do you know why many churches across America age out? It's because God does something miraculous in and through the church and they ride the wave of momentum, but they never embrace the new thing that God is doing. So they hold on to the old thing as long as they can, but eventually the old thing dies. And if you are not a person that can let go of the old and step into the new, the move of yesterday will be exactly that, the move of yesterday. And you will miss the fresh thing that God wants to do. Some of you, you can't step into tomorrow or into the new thing because you were hurt by a church 25 years ago. Well, if you don't let go of that old thing, you can never step into this new thing. I heard somebody say this the other day. They said, you know, I, I had a bad experience at a, at a Mexican restaurant the other day. And uh, they said the chips were stale or something. It's like they, they were mad about it. And uh, they said, but I'll still go back and eat Mexican food because there's no food like Mexican food. And then they, they related it to somebody that said that they had a bad experience at church. Said, I'll never go back to church. It's like, you had a bad meal and you're still eating. You had a bad meal at that restaurant. You're going back to the same restaurant. 
You got a lot of churches to choose from. It's interesting how the past will cripple us or imprison us from stepping into the new. God's doing a new thing. God's doing something fresh. God's desire is to move on the earth. But I'm going to tell you this. You are going to have to let go of yesterday so you can grab hold of what he wants to do today. There's nothing that fires me up more than, than, than older people in our church that are passionate about what God is doing in today and what God's doing in the next generation because they are people that understand that there is a progressive move of God, that God's doing a fresh thing and they will not be left behind. After the last service, I had a guy hug me. He said, I'm so excited about what God's doing. So older guy, I can't believe, I'm so excited about what God's doing because he refuses to be crippled by the tradition of yesterday, keeping him from the excitement of what God is doing right now. God is doing a new thing, but the new thing always requires a new rhythm. You can't just step into a new thing and not have a new rhythm. God's, God's working whether you can see him working or not. My, my grandma growing up, she used to plant gardens or gardens all the time. And some of you, that's like therapeutic for you, like that gardening stuff. That's like torture for me. Uh, that's just like partly because my past informs my, my future. And uh, I failed in gardening. I, I, I can kill things very easily. And uh, my grandma, she would plant that garden. She loved it. It was, like, it was like therapy for her. She's just out there bent over in the garden, just, just planting or picking weeds. And, and what's frustrating about gardening is that when you plant the seed, you can't see the progress. So it's, it's, it's there right? But you got to just believe that it's there. So she would take the seed bag and she'd put it over a stake on the row where she planted the seed because that would give her an indication of where she needed to water or where we needed to water. We were, we helped, we helped. I was going to say, anyways, we, we helped her out. That was our chores. And uh, so we would go out there and we would water. We had faith to water where she said, but we couldn't see the progress. You know, it says, God's doing a new thing. It says, now it springs forth. The Hebrew definition of spring forth actually means to break ground. It means this, that all the while God's doing something new, it's like a plant that's growing beneath the surface. It's a seed that has sprouted and is making its way through the ground. And it says, and Isaiah 43 announces it, it says, now it springs forth. You know what that means? If it comes above the surface. And I remember the first time we had carrots like sprout up. I'm like, oh, it worked. It worked. There was really something happening there. Look. And my grandma was like, we've been doing this for 50 years. You know, you just you water it, you give it time, and it grows. And I just wonder if we need some of that maturity in the church to know there's a word, and we water it, and we wait for it to grow. This is not if it's growing or not. It's when it breaks ground. It's not when city transformation, if city transformation is going to happen, it's when. It's not if you're going to get healed or not, it's when. It's not if God's going to answer prayers or not, it's when. That's why the posture of a believer has to be one of faith that says, I'm going to water in the place where there's looks like there's nothing. I'm going to be consistent and disciplined. I'm going to give myself to, some people might think you're crazy to water something that they cannot see. That's what faith is. Faith waters 
the word that other people can't see. Did you know people told me I was crazy when I became a youth pastor and I said, I believe young people can listen to preaching and can worship God and live for God in junior high and high school. I had parents tell me, you'll never get kids in there unless you got video games or some type of activity. And I said, we're going to try old school. We're going to try old school preaching the Bible and worshiping Jesus. And I wish it was because I was really righteous, but it was because I wasn't really good at anything else. It's like, I tried to do games and it just like bombed. I tried to be funny and it bombed. I'm like, all right, we're just going to prophesy and lay hands on kids. And it's amazing how many people laughed at the watering on something they could not see until the 15 turned into 100 and the 100 turned into 200 and the 200 turned into 500. And then we have an army of young people that are moving throughout the city that then people start saying, oh, well, now, now we see, right? To be on the front lines of what God's doing, you have to see it before everybody else sees it. I'm not interested in being the church that waits until God moves and then says, God's moving. I want to be God's hands and his feet. I want to be partnered with God that says, God, it looks dark out there, but let's do it. I'm going to water where there is no fruit. I'm going to water where it looks like there is nothing showing because I'm believing you're doing a new thing. And before I know it, it's going to spring forth. I was praying a couple months ago. We are at our time away this summer and just seeking the Lord. And I felt like the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And if you've been a part of our church, you know this, is that we believe in and empower the next generation. That we value the preaching of God's word and worship and the presence of God and the voice of God. And uh, whenever we have walked into a city where we have planted a location, it's because God's opened a door of ministry. So for us, when, when we started here in Allen and Jamie and I took the church, we were meeting at the kids building. And so we started raising money and we, we built this building. And then we had one service and two services and three services and we had no more room and, and we didn't know what to do. A lot of our people were coming from Wiley. So we started a location in Wiley and people said, oh, you're called to Wiley. And I said, well, not necessarily called to Wiley. A door for effective ministry has opened. In First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8, Paul says, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? Because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. I'm just gonna tell you, opposition is normal to anybody who's taking ground. So for those that like, you're like me and you like people to like you, we have to get over that if we're gonna take ground. Because there will always be haters for any leader or pioneer that leads the way on the new thing that God is doing. But this is what Paul says. He says, the reason I'm going there is because a door for effective ministry has opened. So when we started in Allen, we weren't just called to Allen. We came to an open door for effective ministry. When we started our campus in Wiley, a door for effective ministry had opened. When we started our campus in Prosper, a door for effective ministry opened. When we started in Frisco, a door for effective ministry opened. When we started in Oak Cliff tonight, a door for effective ministry has opened because this is what we're doing as a church is we're in tune to the new thing God is doing. I never want my own natural parameters to get in the way of the spiritual thing that God is already doing. If you're not careful, you'll put natural limitations on a supernatural God. We gotta lean into the new thing that he's doing. So we just, 
as the team started praying, and I'm believing more than ever before that the doors are, that are open for effective ministry in each of our locations, they, they need a right now word. This is important. God's doing something fresh right now. So we're actually making some pivots even in our preaching team. And each campus, each location will have campus pastors that are the care pastors that will be there for discipleship and for care and for prayer and for all of those things. And then we will have a preaching team because I believe this, God's raising up a church that doesn't just come to church to hear from one person. God's raising up a church that comes to church to be the church. God's gathering a church that comes together to worship God because he's God. God's got, not because there's a certain band or a certain song or a certain preacher, it be, but because we come together to gather as the people of God. And so I, I'm going to be moving around a little bit more in some of our locations. And uh, we're going to have a preaching team. And we're leaning into to more. You know this. We stream our services to our campuses. We're leaning into more of a live preaching over the next couple months and raising up Pastor John, Pastor Madison. They're going to be preaching more because we believe this. It is imperative that we catch the now word. The, the right now, that what's happening in the room right now is important. I'm telling you this, you came in with something today. There's a reason why you're here. And I want to catch the now thing that God is doing. I don't want you to just have a package message, a package sermon, and to go out the same way you came in. I want you to come in knowing that you're going to hear something straight from the heart of God, straight to your heart. And when you leave, I'm believing that something is going to transform about the way that you live your life that supernaturally there's going to be an adjustment and something is going to change. In order to see, in order to receive from God, you're going to have to see it. I can say it this way. You are going to have to see it if you want to receive it. So the next thing that God's doing, it's vitally important that you see it. So let me just start closing with, by saying this. How do we see? That's great. You get fired up. I'm like, yeah, let's see it. How? How do we see? To see, we have to see, to see it, we need spiritual expectation. Spiritual expectation. Now, for me, I'm, 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 I'm usually, I, I want to say I'm a rule, follow, rule follower, but that, I don't know. I, I try my best, okay? So I know we got some, some pilots in the room, and, and so let me just tell you, when the, when, the, when the plane takes off, I'm the guy who tries to stay on the cell coverage as long as possible, okay? I feel better telling you that. It just, I felt like something got off my, my chest there. I just confess. And um, so they say, you know, please go into airplane mode. I'm not in airplane mode, all right? I'm like, man, I tried this a couple of times. We didn't crash. It must be just like, I don't know why they say that. And, and, and so I try to stay on as long as possible because I'm always checking, trying to get my last messages out, right? Until finally you don't have service anymore. Once I don't have service anymore, I go into airplane mode. And I don't check again until I can feel the elevation starting to, right? We're, we're dropping. I'm like, oh, I might be able to get a signal. I know I'm that guy. I know you're supposed to wait till all, some of you, you just, you're never coming back to church after today. That's all right. We all have, we all have our weaknesses. I just got to get to service. And, and so I'm trying to get on, right? As, as it's going, I'm checking and it's just, it feels so good. Once all those messages start going through, like, ah, man, I'm back. You know what's interesting is spiritually, expectation is the same way. Is that for many of us, we've fallen asleep spiritually to the point of our spiritual lives are on airplane mode. And so there's no point to even checking 
because we're already there. But it's interesting, as soon as the flight starts to come down, as soon as it starts to land, now all of a sudden I start checking because I'm expecting to get cell connection. The way that you come into church should be like someone that is checking for cell coverage. I'm checking. That's expectation. I'm expecting to receive. So many people come to church on airplane mode. I'm here. I got my free coffee, free childcare. I'm going to try to endure this and pray that the Cowboys win. That's good. But did you know that God's doing something fresh? He's doing something new that you don't have to watch, but you can participate in. And the key to seeing what God is doing is spiritual expectation. It's, it's expecting to receive something from God. Acts chapter 3, there's a story. Peter and John, they're walking into the city, and there's a paralyzed man who's begging. He says, he asked Peter and John for money. Do you remember this story? Peter and John, silver and gold, have I none? But what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus. But before that, Peter and John said, look at us. And the man, this is what the Bible says, Acts chapter 3. The man looked at them expecting to receive something from them. Do you know how you should come to church? Like that. Looking at God, expecting to receive something from him. Do you know how many people passed that man by in his life span of sitting there begging? Probably a lot of people. But one day, the man had expectation to receive from the right source. Expecting to receive. If I'm going to see what God is doing, I have to have spiritual expectation. A.W. Tozer says this, the stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us, he waits so long, so very long in vain. So many years serving God, but not expecting from God. No, you gotta get your expectation back. When you begin to expect from him, you're gonna start seeing him. I have to see, I have to have spiritual expectation to see it. I need spiritual perception. Okay, this is what, this is what the text said. It says, God's doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? Are you not able to, to see it? So one, I have to expect God to do something. I have to expect God to show up. I got to expect God to have the power, to have the ability to do it. But then I have to, I have to perceive the thing that he's doing. God, what, what are you doing? You know, I've been walking with God long enough to know now that sometimes opposition is not an indication that I'm doing something wrong as much as an indication that I might be doing something right. That oftentimes the greatest breakthrough happens at the point of greatest tension. And so when life gets heavy, God's usually about to do something. Did you know that every great move of God all throughout history never happened in times of plenty or times of peace? It always happened in times of darkness, chaos, or political unrest, or economic unrest. We don't need a miracle if there's not a problem. I have never seen a lack of faith in the church of Jesus Christ like I have in the last two and a half years. Well, we have fallen asleep 
on the thing that God is doing. Spiritual perception is being able to spiritually see what God is doing no matter what I see naturally. Naturally, I see political craziness. I see Christians attacking one another. I see all kinds of, of, of unrest and unsettled feelings about our future and economy and all of these things. But spiritually, if I can perceive what God is doing, I know that God does his best work when things are the craziest. So some of you come in, even came into church today and you're like, I don't even know why I should be here. My life's crazy. I'm making mistakes. I'm not even living for God you're in the best place that you could possibly be. You you might be closer to the breakthrough than you ever thought that you could be. Perception is the way that we notice or understand something using our senses. So naturally, our senses, our natural senses need to bow to our spiritual senses. You know what that is? It's faith. My natural sense says, man, nothing's growing here. So why water it? Why believe? Why come to church? Why try again? Why trust? Why have faith? But when I recognize the thing that God's doing, I have spiritual perception. I say, I can't see it, but I'm going to water it. I can't see it, but I'm going to tend it. I can't see it, but I'm going to believe. That's faith. That's faith to believe that God is working when you cannot see it. The last one is to see it. We need spiritual determination. This is really what I see in a lot of believers is we have somewhat of expectation. We have somewhat perception of what God's doing, but there's no longevity. There's no determination that I'm going to see what God said. Listen, if God gave you a promise, don't give up until you see it fulfilled. If God gave you a word, if God gave you something to believe in and believe for, don't stop, don't let it fade, don't give up on it, don't give in to the lies of the enemy, hold, have some spiritual determination that says what I see spiritually, I'm going to believe until I see it naturally. This is what fulfilled promises look like. When I see something spiritually and then I pull it into my natural reality. You know what prayer is? Prayer is when we pull spiritual truths into natural living. So I believe God's good. I believe God's a healer. I believe God's a deliverer. All of those things. When I pray, I'm I'm believing that that spiritual truth is coming into my natural reality. It's a stubborn commitment to see what God said we would see. I want you to know this. God's given me promises and words about what he's gonna do through our church, through you, in our region. And I'm gonna tell you this, I hadn't seen all of it yet. So I have a stubborn commitment and a determination to see what God put in my heart, to see fulfilled what God spoke over our city and over your family and over your businesses and over your families. I I believe I'm stubborn about it because I won't give up until I see what I've seen in the spiritual manifested in the natural. And friends, that's why we need a church. That's why we need community. That's why we need pastors not to watch something that's happening on stage, but to link arms with one another and say, we are going to be on the front lines of the new thing that God is doing. We are going to wake up to the spiritual reality that God is moving and he wants to use me in what he's doing. Romans chapter 13 verse 11, it says, and do this, understanding the present time. 
So understanding the darkness of our days, understanding what's happening. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The hour is now for us to wake up. We need a church that's awake. You just don't need a pastor that's awake. We need a church that's awake. We need a church that is aware of the thing that God is doing. We need a church that is aware that there is a real enemy that is trying to pull you from commitment to the people that you love and commitment to the house of God, to the word of God, to the presence of God. It's not just natural life. There is a battle that is being waged over your spiritual life, of your connection to God. And we have to, as a church, as a people, as an army, recognize the thing that God's doing. Wake up. So I was praying this morning. I just asked the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, for, you, for those people that have just fallen asleep spiritually, maybe you don't even realize that you have, but you just, you, you're not, rec- you're living in yesterday. You're living in the passion of yesterday. You're living in the passion of your youth. Listen, if, if you've been a part of this church for the eight years that we pastored and you're not burning for Jesus brighter today than you were then, you gotta wake up. If, 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 you're, if you're not loving Jesus today more than you have in some other period of your life, you have to wake up. Not because what you're doing is wrong, but because of the great things that God has for you. Why sleep on the new thing that God is about to do on the earth and through your life? No, it's time to wake up.